Welcome to Black Family Table Talk. We are your hosts, Tony and Tony. Listen in weekly as we discover ways to build a strong Black family. What are we going to discuss today, Tony? Why don't we talk about Black on Black crime? Let's start from the beginning and how this country was founded. Yeah. This country was founded on the premise that Black people were less human. Mm-hmm. We were three-fifths of a man in the Constitution. And to keep that lie going, there were a number of things that were said about black people. And the term black-on-black crime is an extension of that systemic racism in this country. Mm -hmm. Wow! The film Birth of a Nation Mm -hmm. created this myth that black men wanted to rape and attack white women. So that theme, that underlying theme has carried on since the beginning that black people had a propensity to commit crime. And because of that, laws were put on the books. There was targeted policy to put black men in prison. Mm. Yeah. If you really want to talk about it, after the emancipation of slaves, when black men and women were freed, this country didn't know what to do with black people. If you ever read the book by W.E.B. Du Bois, The Soul of Black Folks, Mm. there were black people just walking around after being freed. Not having a place to live. A place to live, Mm -hmm. place to work, Mm -hmm. place to go. So the United States quickly developed vagrancy laws Mm. that if you were caught loitering, if you were caught without a job, nowhere to go, the authorities could arrest you put you back out to and then just slaves again working for the plantations that you were just recently freed from. The United States policy has always been in a cycle instituted and laws have been instituted to undermine the freedoms of African Americans and is infuriating to me. We'll talk about where the phrase came from. The phrase came about in response to white community when the black community protested police brutality. So their comeback phrase was, well, what about black on black crime? Again, that's based on on the assumption, as you stated, that blacks are inherently inferior and have a predisposition to violence. So it's just not true. Because I recently looked at a Facebook post and I was really surprised to see so many black people ascribing to that, that why don't black people talk about black on black crime? And unfortunately, they've adopted what white oppressors say. And what's frustrating is that if you say that, then you have to assume that our communities are tolerable of violence. And that's just not the case. I agree. And I think that the misinformed takes on sound bites that are mentioned on the news. Mm-hmm. Because there's a direct correlation from how this country was founded mm-hmm. on how on the mistreatment of black people. So in order to keep black people in line, you had to come up with laws to lock people up. Yeah, I think that our our judicial statistics definitely ascribe to that. Like the last podcast, uh, Being Black and Blue, where I talked about my experience being a black cop. 
and every single segment has a demographic. Whatever the industry is, you have a target demographic. And in my opinion, the target demographic for police from the very beginning of time and the inception of the public safety officer was always about, about containing black people. And their target demographic is the black community. And then you add on top of that redlining and segregation, it's all about, all of those laws were created to contain and control us. So we move forward and police brutality has been in existence since these departments were constructed. As black people begin to exercise their rights, we start rebelling against it. And, and there was a rebellion from the very beginning, but now it's being televised through technology and cameras, people are seeing more and more police brutality. So we're hearing the term to shut down any Black Lives Matter movement. The counter argument is, what about black on black crime? Exactly. And to your point, if you look at some of the FBI reports, they that 90% of black victims of homicide were killed by other blacks. And 83.5% of white victims were killed by white people. Mm. So that clearly states that crime takes place by the same race within the same community. Exactly. Why don't we go around and say white on white crime? Right. I think it's a distraction, like you said. Distraction to really talk about the real issues. It's, it, it feeds into the propaganda of fear to have white people fearful of black people, as if we commit more crime than they do. Well, I think that is a permeating um, philosophy, but I also think that it's important that African Americans understand and not pick up the language. A lot of white people subscribe to these premises to maintain their superiority. And I don't want black people to subscribe to those premises that blacks are inferior. There's another statistic that you um, came across. Well, according to the FBI report, white men commit more murders. Mm. And if we think about it, we really understand that if you look at the history of this country, black folks have been terrorized for hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. From the Ku Klux Klan mm -hmm. to lynching, mm -hmm castration of slave men. It, it's, it's been violence on black people since the beginning of this country. I think it's important to combat the myth of black on black crime and just come to a final conclusion that it just doesn't exist. And one of the things that I found is that when I was doing research, the violent crime rate per 100,000 people in Ghana is 2.1. The violent crime rate in the United States per 100,000 people is 382.9. That's a huge disparity. And the reason why I picked Ghana is because studies show that 80% of the transatlantic slave trade came from West Africa. And Ghana is a West African country. So what I wanted to do was just go against that myth that this is a biological predisposition, that we are biologically predisposed to violence, because it's just not true. Not what true. it shows is that the United States 
is really a violent country. So I also looked at what contributes to violence. I just want to just make sure that we understand that this is not a black problem. This is a United States of American problem. The CDC said that there are factors that perpetuate violence in community and they break it up into several categories. Individual risk factors, family risk factors, peer and social risk factors, community risk factors. Some of the individual risk factors are the history of violent victimization, hyperactivity and learning disorders, early aggressive behaviors, involvement with drugs, alcohol, or tobacco, tobacco, IQ, behavioral control, deficits in processing abilities, high emotional distress, and then some of the family risk factors are authoritarian, childbearing attitudes, harsh, lax, or inconsistent disciplinarian practice, low parental involvement, low emotional attachment to parents or caregivers, low parental education and income, parents, substance abuse or criminality, poor family functioning. Some of the peer and social risk factors are association with delinquent peers, involvement in gangs, social rejection by peers, lack of involvement in conventional activities, poor academic performance, low commitment to school and school failure. Some of the community risk factors are diminished economic opportunities, high concentration of poor residents, high level of transiency, family disruption, low levels of community participation, and socially disorganized neighborhoods. Now we know this. But we also know that in our communities, there's an extremely high prevalence because of certain issues that we have to grapple with that are a result of the larger public policies and injustices that we have to pick up the pieces from. What is your opinion about some of the factors that elevate these risk factors? Let's talk about one or two mentioned earlier. And that is, according to the Bureau of Justice Statistics, less than 1% of blacks overall commit a violent crime. That means that 99% of black people do not commit crimes. The reality in black communities and black neighborhoods and cities across this nation, countless organizations that are doing something about the crime that is taking place There are community activists. There are stop the violent marches, gang counseling or anti-gang rallies. There are scared straight programs. You call it black on black crime, I just call it crime. And these are the things that are taking place in our community every day, but it doesn't get the media coverage that the protests for police brutality gets. The media puts that on the 5 o'clock, the 6 o'clock, the 8 o'clock, the 9 o'clock, the 11 o'clock news. Each and every day when there's a protest about police brutality. And they want to focus on what the looters are doing. They want to focus on the few people that loot and the few people that riot. I think what makes the police brutality protest news is the salaciousness of the protest. And the fact that police show up in riot gear, there's an uh, automatic assumption that there's going to be a going to be violence, and it becomes heated. When you see our white counterparts protest, you don't see people people 
normally speaking, showing up in riot gear. They're allowing them to protest peacefully. Another thing that has been brought out just recently is that whenever there are protesters, police brutality, there's a group of people who are not of the protesters that come along black and white to take advantage of the situation and loot. People within the community are hopeless and have been dealing with what all of these factors, underfunded schools, food deserts, improper nutrition because of the lack of access to grocery stores, etc., lead and lead poisoning in, in the water. So there are health concerns there, lack of access to, to health care, uh, underlying post-traumatic stress disorder from slavery, because we just, as we talked about, became full citizens. And I think that it's plausible to say that we have been able to survive and some of us thrive in spite of these injustices within the community. I think that's what the focus should be on. The fact that we do have all these programs, the fact that some of us do manage to to maintain and to, to live healthy, productive lives in spite of the ills that we face. I definitely agree with that. And as we noted earlier, the notion of black-on-black crime has been a distraction to keep the focus off. It's a diversionary tactic. It's a diversionary tactic, and the day has come that we're no longer falling for that banana in the tailpipe. Because now we're shifting the discussion to the issues that are really plaguing our community. Absolutely. And some of the reports I have here from the Center for American Progress... There's a main focus on the inequality of wealth and incomes. The lack of wealth also leads to some of the things you talked about, underfunded schools, because this country bases funding of schools on property taxes. So if you live in a community where the property values of homes have been depressed because of redlining, because of lack of home ownership, obviously you're going to have a very low tax base to raise funds from to put into your school system. So something needs to be done about tying funding of public schools to property taxes. The other thing that came out of this report is it will take 200 years for median black wealth to equal the median white wealth. But as long as we're talking about black on black crime, we never get to discussing the things that are plaguing our communities and keeping America from being the country that it was set out to be. What do you think that we can do to continue to grow and thrive? Because I really do believe we are making progress. We're making a lot of progress. We, we are. And I think the country is, this generation is realizing that this country has some flaws. I think some of the things that we are finally realizing that voting is a way to move this country forward, that to vote actually does matter because when you participate in the political system you have the opportunity to change laws you have the opportunity to vote for judges district attorneys to vote in sheriffs for sheriff's departments and these things affect the black community so when we participate in the process on every level local 
county, state, and federal, we have a say, and that includes filling out the census report because a lot of things are tied to that. There's a process, and if you work the process and mass numbers, we can take control of what directly affects our community. Absolutely, I agree. I think that's the biggest takeaway. And at the end of the day, I think what we're saying is black-on-black crime doesn't exist. I think we've refuted that and presented some supporting evidence that really contradicts that term. And then secondly, encouraging people to participate. Since the passing of the Voters' Rights Act of 1965, we have full voting rights. And even though there's gerrymandering and suppression of the vote, we do have a voice and we have to continue to fight that. It's a complicated issue. I think you just can't just let it spill out of your mouth without understanding the history of where we've come from. And I hope we've been able to shed some light and help people understand that it's a negative poisoning term because it creates so many assumptions that aren't true. And if you're subscribing to those assumptions, then I encourage you to get involved because we are doing things that help to combat everything from crime to violence to better education to community gardens, fighting legislation and injustices in in the environment, et cetera, et cetera. I I agree with you 100%. Black Family Table Talk. That's what's up. Absolutely. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Black Family Table Talk. We pray that you heard some principles to put into your strong black family toolbox. Be sure to tune in next week and remember, sharing is caring. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and visit our website at blackfamilytabletalk.com. Look for special discounts and ways to be part of the Black Family Table Talk community. As a part of our mission to do our part to strengthen Black families, we endorse small Black-owned businesses. This is our way of strengthening Black families economically. This week's Small Black Business Spotlight is on Shea Shea La Femme Shea Butter. It's the best shea butter I've ever tried, and it comes in a variety of fragrances. Just visit our website at blackfamilytabletalk.com, and you'll see a special link for a 20% discount. Under Section 107 of the Copyright Act 1976, allowances made for fair use for purposes such as criticism, comments, news reporting, teaching, scholarship, and research. Fair use is a use permitted by a copyright statute that may otherwise be infringing. The news and opinions expressed on Black Family Table Talk do not necessarily reflect various platform posts. All topics are for entertainment purposes only. Discretion is strongly advised and all commentary is alleged. This is a Micah 68 Media LLC production.